friends, Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast. We are here on a Wednesday evening for the live show. And with me, my guest tonight, Liz Pifko. Liz, how are you? Good, how are you? I am doing good. I was waiting for you to say I'm awesome as always. Well, thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. So we are here, folks, on a Wednesday night to talk about tech. If you are in IT supporting businesses as a solo tech, MSP, system administrator, anything to do with IT business, this is your podcast where we try to share product stories and tips all in an effort to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. And the IT Business Podcast is presented by NetAlly, your ally when it comes to wired and Wi-Fi networking. Uh, their tools are portable, and they help you do anything from testing cable to verifying complex networks, including wireless analyzation. So that is our presenter. The live show is sponsored by Computers Done Right, a managed service provider in Southwest Florida. Not only do they do managed services and computer repair, they also assist with marketing and website services. So computersdoneright.com. Thank them as you visit the webpage, itbusinesspodcast.com. And you can also say thank you to our Patreon partners, those that are giving every month to the show, helping me bring you good content. We have Clark from Your Computer Partners. We have Kyle from ProTech Guy and Tom from Two River Computer. Thank you all very much for the show. All right. So, Liz, how's it going? Great. Thank you. Uh, it's been, uh, what is it? It's been about three weeks since we recorded the last podcast, folks. And uh, that is episode 445. And I titled it, What Does Your Contract Say? Because a lot of times people grab stuff off the internet and throw things in there, but it doesn't really mean much if it's not specific to what you do. Correct? That is correct. All right. Um, did you listen to it yet? I have not. You said you only put it up recently. <laughs> Okay. Well, I don't know. You may have like ran to the, you know, to the phone and downloaded it before tonight. <laughs> Listen to how you sound, right? I, sorry, I do not like how I sound. I hate listening to myself. And uh, when we spoke, I was so sick. Like, I am afraid of listening to how I sound uh -huh. on this podcast. But uh -huh. I will listen to it because I need to, you know. All right. You can make fun of I how I sound. Huh? If I need to correct anything. I don't edit. You you know that. I told you that. It's out there now. You can't there. you cannot erase anything on the internet. So uh let me get rid of a little news here. Uh probably the first thing I should say is Florida is still reeling from the effects of Hurricane Ian. So I would like everybody to know that just because the storm has passed, the work is still being done. I will have links in the show note on the episode page for you to donate if you wish to do so at floridadisaster.org and the Red Cross. Those are the places that I would steer you to. Do not, please do not go to a GoFundMe page unless you know the person that is affected or you know the person that is running the GoFundMe Florida man is out and about even during the worst of times. So we do not need any Florida man scam stories um, as a result of this. Uh, I normally would have given a report from the recent trip I did. I was in Dallas, Texas for the ASCII Cup. That is ASCII's last event of the year, part of their ASCII success summits. man. That was a fantastic conference. I will recap that later, uh, but I do want you all to know that I will have two podcasts coming out where I will put together a collection of interviews that I did while in Dallas, Texas. And of course, you will have the usual suspects that will be there, but also some new people, some new tech friends and some new vendors that are in the channel. So be sure to pay attention to those. Now, they're going to come out on audio. And if you don't listen to the audio podcast, you should. 
So head over to itbusinesspodcast.com, click the follow link and find where you can download the shows on either Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, all the places there and get those shows when they come out. It should be fantastic. Now, also as part of my trip to Dallas, Texas, uh, I got to visit with some listener friends here, and then I did a road trip after Dallas, Texas, to Oklahoma City. So, Liz, I'm going to take a quick break here and ask you, have you ever been to Oklahoma City? I have not. Have you been to Oklahoma at all? No? Never. Okay. So, on the way to Oklahoma City, so here's what I thought. I thought that, you know, this is my my first trip to Dallas, and I thought I would get around and see some of the sites, you know, some of the big, you know, you know Texas. You hear Texas, and there's places you got to go see. We were too far away from the Alamo. We couldn't get to the Grassy Knoll. Jerry's World was busy with uh, some football game. And instead of doing something like that, I went to this place. Now, for those of you that are not watching the video, I'm holding up a mug from Bucky's. And Bucky's prides itself on being a one-stop gas station, clothing store, grocery store, home of the world's most famous jerky. Um, and yes, there are pictures of me standing next to Bucky the Beaver. So that was the highlight of the trip. If uh, I don't even know how to explain it, but I did get to go to Oklahoma City and visit it with our good friend Diana Giles, Chris Moraz from Your IT also visited, and then we had some other people that we met. Uh, we met Ramy and Justin from Mana Networks, and we met Rod, uh, Rod Miller. So there were six of us that got together and hung out. And again, I will be sharing more of that later. Um, but just want you to know, if you want to know a good place to stop, Bucky's is the place. Fantastic place. Ever been to a Bucky's, Liz? <laughs> I've been to a lot of places that claim to have the world's best, most famous, most whatever jerky. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did they have a wall of jerky? don't believe so. I think I also saw the world's longest jerky at some point. It was like as long as a room, like two rooms. Really? But I can't remember where that was. Was it edible? Uh, I mean, I haven't tried it, but supposedly, yeah, it was real, real jerky. So this is probably, this is probably not going to look well on the screen. So I'll have to, I'll have to do something, but here's the phone. So that is the wall of jerky at Bucky's. Impressive. And I had something called something teriyaki because I, I don't do jerky. So, okay. Well, enough of that because <laughs> you sound so excited for me to talk about Bucky's. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> beef jerky. <laughs> hey, I am also not much of a jerky enthusiast. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's uh, let's get serious. <laughs> okay, so our our uh, introductory podcast of uh, you joining us, uh, we did some introductions about you and Corvinus Law, and talked about the fact that you had started doing a lot of business in corporate law, uh, doing a lot of trademark stuff, and uh, that you are now uh, sliding into doing contracts. So. Yes, I've been actually doing contracts for, for many years. I started out in insurance defense that was primarily litigation. And then after about seven years of that, I started transitioning into more transactional. So, yeah, I've been doing contracts for a long, a long time. All right. Now, when we talked before, you said that you kind of did not want to do it. But I, I think that there was a calling for you to do it because <laughs> – your, your, your entire family's in tech, from what I understand. Right. So I don't have any brothers or sisters, but I have two cousins that are, you know, my age and were like the kids of the family. And of course, they went into software engineering and 
their parents, their dad is into hardware. My dad, as an entrepreneur, he dabbled in tech as well. I'm like the only one in the family who went into law. So I'm the complete outsider. <laughs> and somehow I got looped back into the industry anyway. It's not so much that I didn't want to do it. It just wasn't something I had intentionally set out as a goal. I just kind of got pulled into it and never left. <laughs> well, let, let's let's let me see if I can translate that. You thought computers was for the nerdy ones, right? No, I actually no because when I was about thirteen, fourteen, I started teaching myself HTML and how to build websites and. I kind of kept up with that. Like I, I can still build you a pretty killer website. It's not like my job, but I know how to do it. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Okay. I was always a nerd just in a different way. And then I transitioned into the law type of nerd from being more on the techie side. So yeah. All right. <laughs> always. So yeah, I found my element here. Very interesting. So <laughs> we also talked about the fact that you, you know, part of what you do, and, and I know that 90% of what you do is contracts, but part of what you do is to help people with trademarks. And that one of the big problems is that, you know, we come up with a business name and don't realize that it's already in conflict with somebody else who has a trademark. So that uh, seems kind of, when people do a search, is is it something that we can do ourselves or do we need to go to somebody like you to help us figure out, is this name taken? So uh, you have to do at least a search for the exact name yourself. I mean, you can go on Google, you can go on the USPTO website and just see if there are any exact. And if so, you know, if, if there is a registered trademark on the USPTO website, that's exactly the same as yours. And it also happens to be in the IT industry providing a similar type of service. Um, you know, you need to see if they registered that trademark before you started using the name as your trademark. Because if so, then you have an infringement scenario. But the problem is, and this is why you need to hire an attorney, um, the USPTO trademark law in general doesn't only protect your trademark from infringement when there is an exact match. It also looks at whether or not another business is using a confusingly similar name. And there is just no search that will give you matches that, you know, of words that sound similar, words that might be spelled uh, in a similar way with like one or two letters difference. Um, or smell differently, but it's the exact same sound or a very similar one. So as attorneys, even we have to pay a third party service provider that has, you know, the proprietary algorithm that searches the entire internet, all the business filings, all of Google, um, social media, everything else for these non-exact matches. So we have to pay them. Then we get a report back, you know, sometimes it's a thousand pages. And some matches are concerning. Some are, I mean, there's a lot of trash in there, but, you know, these algorithms aren't perfect. Um, but to analyze a report like that, I mean, are, are you going to analyze a report with a thousand potential matches and see if there is, you know, enough similarity between what you're seeing and what the USPTO would consider a confusingly similar mark? Like, you need to have an attorney to look at that and write your report and say, you know, whether or not there is a potential infringement and also whether or not there's a good likelihood that the USPTO will register the trademark if that's what you're going for. So my question now is going to be, listen, I certainly did not go looking to see if MB Systems was trademarked. And I know that probably 99% of the people I know in the tech industry did not do it either. So it seems as though a lot of us are just simply taking a chance that we're not ever going to get a cease and desist so, I mean, is it truly important that we do that? I mean, or do people come to you after the fact when they, you know, get served a notice or something? I mean, there are enough businesses that come to me after they have received a cease and desist that it is uh, 
a concern. And you know, if if they can show infringement, if they can show that they had a registered trademark before you started using the name and you just didn't do your due diligence, the the damages can be quite high, much higher than paying someone to do a trademark search or, you know, potentially register the trademark for you. Um, if that's something that you want to do. Now, for those of us that did not do it and we come across other companies that have our name. So like, for instance, if I do a search on MB Systems, that's my company name. It's it's really MB mm-hmm. Systems of South Florida, Inc. So that's the full name. So even though there are other companies out there that, you know, MB Systems, um, I don't know, CZ, wherever that is, some country, uh, MB Systems, let's see, MB Data Systems, MB Kit Systems, MBX Systems. I don't know. I, don't, I guess I don't have to really worry, do I? Oh, no, there's an MB Systems Hardware and Software Consulting out of Sherman Oaks, California. Well, that's a different jurisdiction. So if you don't operate in California, you don't have a registered trademark. You might have common law trademark rights to the name if you were, in fact, the first to use it in the geographical area where you operate without a federal registration. That protection does not extend outside of, you know, where you actually do business. Right. So. Same with the California company. If they don't have a registered trademark, then they're not protected nationwide. So, you know, they can't come after you in Florida if they're only operating in California and they don't have a registered trademark. Now, could I trademark my name now and then send them a letter saying cease and desist? Well, it goes by first use um, with common law rights. So it just depends on who used it, where, when. It's, It's a pretty complicated analysis. Okay. So we have a question from the chat, and I would advise anybody that is watching, if you have a question, go ahead and throw it up there. And Tom has our first question of the evening. If you register your biz with the state, do you still need to trademark? Um, If you are only doing business in a small geographic area, and you don't go outside of your city or your state, um, it might be sufficient to rely on common law trademark rights. Um, but, you know, it, there's a difference between registering with the state as a business that just gives you an LLC. That doesn't mean that you have a trademark. A trademark is intellectual property protection for certain brand elements like your name, your slogan, your logo. There are other things like, you know, signature sound. Uh, most commonly, it's going to be the business business name that you do business under. Um, product names, you know, some of you guys have various online products. Also, um, Marv's IT Business Podcast. It's not a name that you registered with the state, but it is, it can be considered a trademark. This is Uncle Marv's IT Business Podcast. So they serve different purposes. If you want to protect your trademark, registering your business with the state is not what's going to accomplish that. Going to be common law trademark rights by virtue of the fact that you're using the name in business, or you can file a trademark registration either with your state or with the USPTO, which provides you with uh, with federal protection. Interesting. So, and I can't speak on, you know, state, state trademarks because that's, that's going to be different for every single state. Right. All right. So make a note, trademark Uncle Mar, get that taken care of. So. Yeah, uh, because you, know, you want nationwide protection for Uncle Mar's. IT business podcast. That, that yeah. is right. So a, a follow-up question, is service mark still a thing? So my first question yeah. is, what trademark. is service mark? A service mark is just another name for a trademark that refers to a service. Oh. So usually trademark is for products like Nike shoes. That's goods. shoes. Okay. And then service marks would be uh, for, for a service. Like okay. your MSP it provides a service. Interesting. All right. You just got mumbled there. I don't know if doing this did it or not, but. <laughs> My speaker is. A- your speaker is where? On the computer, but my hair is just not doing what it's doing. <laughs> What's it supposed to be doing? Where it's at. <laughs> okay. Oh, the joys of a live show. Yeah. My hair 
<laughs> You're here goals, man. Uh, you know, it takes a lot to, you know, make this look good. I mean, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, so I gave you some homework after our last show. Do you remember what the homework was? I have no idea. Oh, you didn't write it down? No, I forgot I had homework. Okay. So here was the question. What is your customer avatar? Oh, my customer avatar. Yes. Um, yeah, I didn't do that homework. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't built like the standard ICA. Like it's not, you know, Bob late mid thirties to late fifties owns an MSSP, you know, has wife and two kids lives in whatever suburb. Like I don't build those. I don't, I work with, you know, lots of different types of people, but uh, you know, you do have to be a business owner. You do have to be in business actively. Uh, you, you do need to have sort of like a basic operation running because, you know, when we build a contract for you, I'm sending you a questionnaire with all kinds of questions about how you do things. And you need to be able to answer those for me and list your specific services so we can plug them in and build this entire contract around it. So, you know, you, you have to have a, an, an operational business. This is not something that you do as sort of, hey, I'm starting an MSP. Uh, what do I what do I need to do? Like you, you kind of need to be beyond that. And, you know, because of the the investment, I I don't want you spending like your entire startup capital on like getting a contract package from me. So you just need to be an established business that's sort of ready to uh, to get your legal stuff together. So I'm not <laughs> I don't do like a lot of really hmm, how do I say this? I don't do sales calls with a lot of pressure. Like when you come to me, you need to know that you want a contract for your MSB, right? I'm not going to convince you why you need a contract. I'm not here to argue about price. If it's out of budget, that's fine. You can come back when it's uh, when it's not out of budget. Um, but I don't, I don't, you know, hard sell people and pressure them into doing anything. They just got to know that they have legal risks and they want uh, a good cohesive document package to protect them against that. So I guess that would be my, my avatar. Okay. Non-difficult. <laughs> I'm serious. The second you get difficult, I'm off that call. Like, oh, okay. I think we talked about boundaries, right? So, yeah. you know, mine are solid. Well, I mean, we know that you do other business. So I guess uh, let's kind of get an idea of like, what is the percentage? I know you said 90% is contracts, but is it all MSP work that you're doing the contracts for? Oh, no. I, I work in other industries as well. I have a lot of um, online business clients, uh, lots of people in the coaching industry, digital products, courses, you know, online stuff, marketers, um, <laughs> E-commerce, um, e-commerce brokers who, you know, buy and sell e-com businesses. Um, there's a lot of intellectual property aspects in transferring a website and doing that whole asset sale deal. So I love those. I mean, I'm in a lot of different industries. It's not just artists, photographers, you know, it's contracts. Okay. But these are a large, large portion. All right. Well, I, I wanted to get an idea because I, you know, wanted to let people know that, you know, if you were exclusive to MSPs, you know, they should know that. And if you're not, um, I mean, because contracts can be for any type of business. And I'm assuming that a lot of the stuff that has to do with liability and all of that stuff, I mean, they transfer you know, between industries. Now, of course, for us, it's pretty specific. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. Oh. Contracts for different industries look totally different. Okay. A coaching client agreement looks absolutely nothing like an MSA, like worlds apart. It's, it's not interchangeable. And uh, that's why I don't like it when people just download contracts from the internet. 
it needs to be industry specific. So obviously I only work with industries that I have a lot of experience with. Um, but no, there's a, there are very little in terms of similarities between these agreements. So, okay. So what about within our industry for say, so, you know, we have a lot of people that are, you know, solo techs that operate as, you know, IT service providers. Um, so it's a question I got in kind of earlier and I'm going to rephrase the question because the question was about how do you deal with differences in state laws and stuff, but it's really, you know, how do you deal with differences within our industry with, you know, say a smaller, you know, one man shop versus, you know, a million dollar MSP that's got 10 techs and does a lot of stuff. Are the contracts different based on, you know, the size of what you're doing, the size of your offerings, that sort of thing? So not as much as people would think, because even a solo tech has liabilities. The same risks are there when it comes to, you know, potential data breach, um, anything that can go wrong, the same issues with, you know, clients not necessarily following your instructions, not following your recommendations, your requirements for, you know, reporting issues, how to contact you. And then you, you have all the same type of stuff with respect to, you know, returns and refunds for products, limited warranties, indemnities, insurance obligations, like all of these are the same, whether you're you know, they need not necessarily the same, but they need to be in your agreement, whether you're a solo tech or or a $10 million MSP. All your boilerplate about, you know, how and where will disputes be resolved? You know, have to go through mediation, what state, what law applies, just all of these, you know, force majeure clauses to deal with unexpected events. All of these need to be in every every contract, regardless of the size of the MSP. But... If you're a large MSP with a larger service offering, you probably will have more detailed, you know, service schedules and pricing and, you know, all these, all these extras, uh, your contract will probably be a lot longer. All right. And for people that are just joining, um, I mentioned earlier in the show that Liz and I had an audio podcast earlier that if you are listening out of order, which you should not be doing, Go back and listen to episode 445, What Does Your Contract Say? And Liz explains a lot about her contracts, uh, MSAs, SOWs, and all of that stuff. Uh, Having said that, we have another question that has popped up. And it says, do you recommend MSAs only or an agreement that points to terms of service on your website? Hmm. I am heavily biased towards MSAs because, uh, first of all, it requires your client to actually scroll through the entire thing and sign the bottom. So they can't deny, you know, I've never seen this, you know, blah, blah, blah. That being said, my MSAs do kind of reference terms that live online, mostly, you know, things like how to request services that you might want to change from time to time. And it's easy to just say, here, this these this page is incorporated in the into the MSA as if it were copied in its entirety, just as binding. But as far as the MSA itself, I like them to actually go and put their digital signature on the document. I use PandaDoc, you can use like DocuSign, HelloSign, whatever. Um, also, you know, Depending on how you do business and what types of clients you work with, if you work with large clients, they usually have their legal departments that have, you know, all these legal policies regarding their their contracts, how these how they need to look, what they need to include. They will send it back and redline it for you. And you have a document that lives online. It's impossible to change it for one client and not change it for everyone else. So I don't like I don't have a solution for that. You know, if one of your clients want to change your liability limitation, you say, you know, your default is um, our cap on liability is whatever, $100,000. You have this one client, you really want to land that account, but they want to change your liability cap to 500k. You might be okay doing that for that particular client because they're big enough and important enough. 
Are you going to change your liability cap and increase it to half a mil, you know, for everyone just because this client wanted it or other, you know, unique idiosyncratic terms that you want to insert into your contract, which, you know, you might be willing to do it for that client, but is that going to be now your policy for everyone else? Because you change your online terms. Like I just don't, I just don't like it. I don't like it. So you, you would recommend that everybody signs their own separate MSA specific to that client, specific to that agreement. Yep. And you have, you know, the contract signing log that, you know, Panda doc generates that says, you know, this document has been reviewed at such and such a time. Uh, Everybody signed at this particular time. Here are the IP addresses, the email addresses, the whole log, the, the completed document that was signed. Like I like to have that proof. So at least we don't need to spend $10,000 arguing about what was and wasn't sent, what was in effect at the time of the signing, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, you're paying attorneys to argue this for you. It gets expensive. I just want the log, everything together. It is done. That's all the proof I need. And uh, it's just cleaner. And you have it for every single client. You build an SOP around that, you know, it just automatically goes to client, client signs. Usually they don't even, you know, read everything word for word. They just sign it. It goes into their file and you're documented and you're protected. So anytime you need to enforce a term, enforce a policy that's referenced in the contract, you just pull the contract. There it is. Um, and it's good. That's how, that's how I prefer to do it. Okay. So with that, I'm going to transition into something we talked about before, and we said that we would go more in detail tonight. Your law firm is Corvinus Law, but you have a website that uh, you do send people to if they're not ready to go full throttle and get the full kit with the MSA and everything customized for them. So renegadelegal.co, people please pay attention to the fact that it is .co and I actually have renegadelegal.co slash MSP where you can go specifically. So uh, Liz, let's talk about Renegade Legal. Yes, because the full website is not ready yet. So that's why you have to go specifically to the MSP page because we're in the middle of uh, building that website. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, so this is the template business that's totally separate from the law firm. So Buying my templates does not make me your attorney. This is a totally different LLC. It's not a law firm. This is just where the templates live because if you can't, for whatever reason, we can't work together. Sometimes it's a budget issue. Sometimes it's because you're in a state that I will not work in, state California. You know, there's no chance in hell we're working together. So (laughs) the only option is the templates. What's wrong with California? California law. Okay. (laughs) Let's let's leave it at that. Okay. But no, so you know, we can't work together, but you still want my documents because this is this is something that comes up a lot. Now is it a full set of documents? Like is it an MSA? Is it a statement of work? Is it, you know, waivers and liability? I mean all of that stuff. It's it's a full kit. Yes. There is a lot in there. There is your MSA, your schedules, statement of work form. We even have, you know, contract amendment forms. What else? There is a lot in there. Um, I have a cyber, what is it? Cybersecurity assessment template that if you, you know, if you do a cybersecurity assessment as like an initial service just to get in the door and then upsell them later on your managed service, that's kind of a one-off thing that you don't want them to sign a full, you know, MSA on. But same with the, if you provide some other one-off break fix service as an initial thing, we have a contract for that. So again, you're not just giving them this huge document um, that can be intimidating. Um, There's so much in there. And of course there are like walkthrough videos that help you actually understand what you're customizing a little better because this is not something that you can just read the document and immediately know what to put in the blanks. This is pretty complex, but you guys are smart enough to do it. So (laughs) we are, are you sure? Yeah. (laughs) Now let me ask this question. And we talked about Mm -hmm. this on the last podcast where every attorney is going to say, don't go downloading templates from the internet. 
Most of them are garbage. Um, but you're going to obviously say, no, these are not. These are great, wonderful, beautifully drafted, right? Awesome they documents. Are. They are. And they are aesthetically pleasing as well. And very brandable. You can use your brand colors, make them look friendly. So it's less intimidating to clients than just, you know, an ugly block of Times New Roman 11 point single spaced ugly text. It's not like that at all. Is that Look at those colors there. So I've got the site up on the screen if you're watching the video. And uh, renegadelegal.co slash MSP. Your client contract is one of the most important documents in your business. So it's called the MSP Legal Starter Pack for IT service providers. So there it is. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you laughing? Because I, I got a comment yesterday about how feminine this looks and like, yeah, because we're experimenting with the branding. This is what we, you know, uh, came up with as the first run. And uh, the advice was you make, you need to make it look more techy. For instance, lots of blocks, lots of uh, uh, city skylines and uh, really? yeah. And, and more blue. And so, you know, it's probably not going to happen if it's too colorful for someone, they don't need to buy it. But uh, <laughs> I just thought it was a funny conversation because I do, I know like what tech branding looks like, but it's not going to be the branding for my entire template shop. Well, there you go. There's some brick in there that. Uh... Yeah. I like the brick. Brush. Okay. Okay. Well, there's the cursiveness, you know, there. Here. Hi, I'm Liz. Hi. <laughs> All right, so this is the MSP Legal Starter Pack, and in here, uh, as she mentioned, master service agreements, schedules, uh, pricing services, liability waiver, uh, MSP Client Handbook. So what is that about? That would be the type of stuff that I would reference in the MSA and have it live somewhere online. So if you have specific you know, hardware and software requirements, no. Issue priorities, target response times. These are things that need to be binding. The client needs to know what your, you know, how you prioritize issues, what your response times are, what your target resolution times are, you know, how they need to um, submit service requests, how they can escalate service requests, um, you know, designating a, a point of contact, working with their point of contact in your company, just policies um, that um, would make the MSA too long for starters. And um, and these are things that a lot of MS like to kind of share as part of the MSA for fear of, you know, that client taking it to some other MSB in the area and uh, asking them to copy your business model, copy everything you do and undercut you on price. So we kind of put it online, either password protect it um, or make it subject to a confidentiality agreement that they cannot share it under any circumstances and just kind of have it live online and be referenced in the contract in the MSA as, you know, part of the deal that they're agreeing to. So it says by by signing the this MSA, you are also agreeing to the terms of the handbook, which are at such. And- All right. So if somebody were to go and get this legal pack to start, I mean, at some point you still recommend that they go and get them customized at some point, because I'm assuming that these are going to be you know, quite general and they still need to tweak them a bit, right? Yes. I always recommend that. I mean, I would not be a good attorney if I said that the template pack is an absolute substitute for a custom legal service. Like it's just not. I understand why many people want templates. That's usually the pricing. Um, and this will still save you, you know, with everything that you're getting, it'll still save you seven to 10 K in legal costs. But once you're done customizing, you have your full package, you do need to take it to an attorney and uh, tell them you need a state law review. So maybe you're not going to give them you know, your pricing schedule and your, your service schedule or whatever, they don't need to look at, um, 
you know, your descriptions of how you do business, but as far as, you know, checking the few clauses that need to be checked for state law, liability limitations, limited warranties, boilerplate, um, you know, it's, it's not a lot of attorney hours, but um, it still needs to be done. So I would budget at least an extra 1K for local review. All right. And you actually have a comment here. Uh, I have these documents customized and they are great. A client that's an attorney even commented how impressive it is. I'm so happy to hear when attorneys approve. Like I know that that clients uh, love them, but clients can't tell a really good contract from a really bad one because it's all legally, you know, that's why you hire us. But when attorneys endorse them and and say these are good, that's like that the best feedback. Yep. I get a lot of that. Like I have a lot of people who take them to their attorneys and they change like one but some don't change anything so you know i mean it's not like the whole thing needs to be reworked but you know at least you have if you are going to a local attorney with this you have a set of templates that are created for the industry that cover all the essential bases so you're not relying on someone who's not familiar with msps to just kind of try to throw something together from scratch without knowing anything at all about your business. Cause that's when you end up with a disastrous contract. Like I'd rather you buy something like this and, and take it to your, your local council. Um, if they're not familiar with the type of work you do just for the assurance that they're not leaving anything essential out of your, your document bundle, you know? And, um, I'm not just saying that to sell some of these because I, I just, I really do think it's, it's necessary because I've seen so many bad ones. Okay. So uh, if you're watching, uh, there is, uh, in addition to the website, a discount code that I'm back. Was it you or me? <laughs> I don't know. It's Comcast. As far as I can say. I, have... I freaked out for a second. Yeah. Comcast, I love it so it much. me, I don't know what to do. <laughs> You're to sell, 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 sell. <laughs> I told you I don't do that. <laughs> um, so I was uh, just starting to say that if you're watching, I've got scrolling at the bottom of the screen, not only the website to these templates, but a discount code that Liz has so graciously given us that if you use ITB2022, she will give you a discount to the forms and that is $500 off, right? Yes. Okay. So uh, if you don't have forms and you want attorney approved forms, uh, head over to renegadelegal.co slash MSP and use ITB2022 as a discount code. Uh, All right. So yeah, this is how great my listeners are that, uh, I disappear and they're ready for the Liz show. <laughs> All right, Marv, can you hop off? So <laughs> yeah, let me just step to the side here. Yeah. <laughs> See how this goes. Well, you know what? It, it could be a, I know we said we weren't really going to dig into this too much, but um, get you ready for your upcoming uh, super lawyer deal. I don't know. Like, okay, so I thought about it, and I'm not actually sure I'm allowed to say. Oh, see, now you get all quiet and timid. Oh no, no, we can't say it. No, so I'm gonna be on the cover. Okay, you said it. (laughs) I said it because I don't remember if it was this year or some other year. They kind of keep it on the DL, you know, our nominations and stuff. Who from the editing team is going? on this podcast probably and no one. I don't recall specifically being asked to to not say anything so <laughs> listen i didn't know i i got tens of listeners so you know i mean you know <laughs> multiple listeners yep so you'll have to come back on the show after your big to do yeah and uh so is it just the cover or are you going to have like center page article dedicated to you uh, so it's not just me; it's uh, three other attorneys. Oh, what well, that—that's a feature. You're sharing the cover. Yeah, well, I not- already had like a bunch of solo features. They must, but no, we're sharing this <laughs> with other attorneys. 
I mean, it's still only four of us out of like, you know, thousands. I don't even know how many attorneys there are. Like, Stop <laughs> oh ruining my moment, <laughs> Oh, I've already had several solos. I'm, yeah. I'm willing to share the cover this I'm once. Regular. I've been in super lawyers years. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just, just throwing that out there since you want to, you know. <laughs> Let me just reach over and pick up this name you dropped. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. That show just went off the rails real quick. How's the Liz show working? <laughs> Ask our audience. I think it's going great. Uh, okay. So, where were we? I don't know. slash MSP. Sign up for the forms and save $500 with discount code ITB2022. Because yeah. Uncle Marv was too long. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I'll be adding to this. I do it all the time. Like, I keep supplementing this template. So if there is, um, there's always a request for something new. So will be updated regularly and um we always add stuff so okay now you said there's videos uh to assist with that now at one time you were doing courses are you still doing those um well what's it's kind of like a course i guess because it goes through like each section it's it's looks like a course i just don't want to call it a course because it's not I'm just being nitpicky, but it's kind of like, <laughs> what's the difference? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, so, yeah, it's styled as a course. Like when you go through the videos, you select, you know, if you want to do the MSA and you open the MSA and there are the videos for each article and each section. Um, and, uh, you know, it just takes you through customizing everything. And then same for the handbook. Oh, there's a handbook too? Yeah, and you find the the customization on the handbook, and you just go through and you know follow the videos, and and you've got your document ready. Some people never watch the videos, but I think you should. Yeah. And then you have, you know, you have those to go back to anytime you want to make a change or forgot what something means or don't really understand something or a client has a question and you know you're not quite sure what that is. You can you can consult the video before you. You email me or, or your attorney. <laughs> All right. So you said that you were redesigning. Oh, look at all this. I didn't look at all the value that was put in here. Mm-hmm. $5,000, $1,750 for the MSP client handbook. Uh, okay. Lifetime access to all resources, updates, and additional documents. So when did you start this? Hmm. Maybe a year ago. Just okay. about a year ago. All right. And this is so. This is the first update is to redesign the website and make it make it more. Uh, the website's been underway for for a little bit, but no, I've made updates to the documents. I've added more documents. Um, <clears throat> you know, originally like things like contract amendment forms, so you you can do a simple amendment without like resigning an entire MSA. Um, things that I just added over the months as people were asking for it um maybe the uh mm, the risk acceptance letter like when you when you recommend something to a client and they're they're hesitant to (laughs) to go with your recommendation on account of cost or uh, it's usually cost you know you can kind of cover your ass with a uh, with a letter that says look we recommended that you implement such and such solution because there is such and such a risk present and if you don't do it you know these things can happen um so we're going to we're just letting you know that uh if if you don't implement it we're not liable for anything that might happen as a result um uh, things like that things that members just asked for and um you know, they weren't that difficult to make because I already have these in my in my practice library. I just I just turn them into templates as we go. Okay. So one time fee to get the starter pack. You you'll update stuff as you go, so we get those. Lifetime access. Now I'm gonna be a little I'm sorry. <laughs> 
coming into my face and I hate it. Anyway. So I'm going to be a little nitpicky. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to get upset the way I ask it. But on here, it says one monthly Q&A call with Liz, value $4,200. So how often are you allowing people to call you once a month for questions? No, it's a Zoom call. So it's for everybody to come on Zoom together and we have a monthly. Okay. So So it's uh, not everybody. No, this is a template pack priced as a template pack. So it doesn't give any, you know, one-on-one access to me. Um, first of all, that would be a legal service, but that's how I priced it. Like, that's what you'd be paying in consultation fees if you were to have access to me. So I'm not just pulling these numbers out, you know. I, I didn't say it like that. I was, it, you, yeah. it, it says, one monthly Q and a call. So it sounded yeah. like, Oh, I get to call you. Okay. So I should probably make it specific that it's a group zoom Q and a slash rather than if people would assume that it's a one-on-one cause it's not, that's, I can't include it at that price point. Okay. Anything else you want me to help you with on the website? I can scroll through here. I mean, and- we can, yeah, we can do a review. <laughs> you have time. Just let me know. <laughs> you asked. <laughs> ah, so the group call it's kind of like you sharing the cover with other attorneys you know it's not one-on-one Mm-mm, it's not one-on-one but you know the MSPs on the call are always bouncing ideas off of each other and they have the benefit of you know hearing other people's questions and my answers so it's actually more beneficial if you didn't have any questions that month but you still want to hop on and talk about contracts you know, anything that might come up. Sometimes we talk about, you know, more salesy things, like how do I get people to actually sign this thing? And sometimes we get into, you know, the nitty gritty on limited warranties and things like that. So it's... Um, well, that's pretty good. I mean, that sounds pretty active and, and you know, engaging. So once a month and, and like, what's the average that they last and how many people are usually there it's typically an hour and we have anywhere between i don't know five to ten we've had more sometimes there are a lot more on the call i can't always see it because on the side and zoom it doesn't go all the way down so i don't always know how many people are there but average i can't even tell you but yeah it's uh Sometimes there was one time that the notice went out so late that there were only like three or four people in the call. Then other times there are a ton of people there. So it's always, you know, and they, they share information with each other. So I like the call. All right. I'm going to have to find a, a donor so I can buy these and get on one of those calls. See how they go. Yeah, you'll, you'll have fun. It's like a party in there. And sometimes we like go over, you know, when I add a new document, like when I added the agreement for the the initial cybersecurity assessment. We just had a whole call going through like the different clauses and just the entire document and how it works. Um, When we added the, the contract for the initial one-off service for the, the MSPs that want to do just a one-time break fix to get into the door and then upsell them later. We did the whole call on that contract. Um, We had a call where we went off. We reviewed like, an entire statement of work form and what needs to be in there and how that works together with the MSA. So sometimes we have calls like that. And then there are questions at the end and everybody wants to like this, how to, how to make it fit their situation better. So, I mean, there's always a lot of good questions that I wouldn't even think of to talk about because you know I'm not in the business doing what you guys do. All right. Well, Liz, we're coming up to an hour here, and this is about the time of the show where I usually will either do a Florida man story. Uh, sometimes I'd ask my guests to, you know, present a story from their area to challenge Florida man, but we're not going to do that. The other option would be to answer a random question. But what I want to do is I want to see if you remember stuff that you said years ago because I found some questions that you had answered. And I want to see if the answers are the same today as they were, oh, these many years ago. Are you ready? Uh, I don't know. We might have to switch to Florida, man. But let's go. <laughs> All right. So let me start with this one should be easy. 
if I weren't a lawyer, I would be blank. A travel blogger. Travel blogger. Okay. That's not the first answer you gave, but you did give that the second one. Professor of quantum physics. Quantum <laughs> physics. Okay. You said particle physics. Wow. And, and you were very specific. Pers- professor of particle physics at a European university. Yes. That's pretty specific. Why a European university? Because I'm, I'm European. Yeah, but you're here in the States. Well, now, but <laughs> a professor of particle physics, I'd be in Europe. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> My favorite word is blank. My favorite word? <laughs> I don't want to get political. I know what I said. Okay. But I don't want to open that can of worms. All right. Then let's, uh, <laughs> let's go. Let's, uh, let's see. Um, my guilty pleasure is. It's still cheesecake. Not necessarily Oreo cheesecake, but cheesecake. Guilty of, but I probably should be. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> All right. I can't go a day without. That probably changed. So now I would say meditation. Okay. Well, that was still part of your answer. You said coffee and meditation. Okay. Yeah, so. All right. And this is the last one I'll do. My motto is. Hmm. Not sure I have. I don't know. I can't answer that. No? Mm-mm. Always be unapologetically you. I mean, I, I still stand by that. That is still, you know, I will never apologize for being myself unless I genuinely hurt you in some way. Um. <laughs> Okay, that sounds ominous. Um, I've thought about that. Then there were many conversations that came to the forefront with, you know, the world changing in recent years. And, you know, you have to think about the impact of your actions, whether or not they were intentional. You know, it's it's the impact that matters. So I kind of, you know, yes, I I don't believe in apologizing when you haven't done anything wrong, but also you need to... uh, take a good look at yourself when you're being challenged and, and see if maybe you did something wrong. You just don't know that you did. There's a difference. So that's why I wouldn't make okay. that, you know, my tagline as we're here today. Okay. Well, way to end the show with some very, very wise words, uh, stuff that, uh, I hope a lot of listeners take heed to. So definitely Liz, thank you very much. Um, we're going to have to get you back on. Well, thank you for having me after your, uh, super lawyer thingamabobby sharing of the cover. Uh, comes out in December. So yeah. All right. We'll be looking forward to that. We can do this again. We can do this again. All right. Uh, Oh, you know what? I (laughs) I should have asked you this. I meant to ask you this last time and I didn't. So, Ursabet is your real legal name, right? Yes. How did you get Liz from Ursabet? Because it's Hungarian, and the English is Elizabeth. So Liz is just the short for Elizabeth. Okay. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, Ursabet, a.k.a. Liz Pifko, Corvinus Law, uh, joining us here on the show, we will have her back. Head over to her site, renegadelegal.co slash MSP. If you don't want to contact her for the full MSA package, get yourself the starter pack, or you can reach out to her, and I will have her website, Corvinus Law, and contact information there. And uh, Liz, thanks for coming on and and uh, putting up with my contest, my Comcastic dropout. And, uh, well, thanks for having me. And our questions at the end there that you weren't ready for. Next time we can do Florida Man. Next time we do Florida Man. All right. So, (laughs) folks, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing. Uh, Head over to itbusinesspodcast.com and take a look at the episode page for all the notes and links in case you're driving and did not write them down. Uh, The links for this show and for any other show that you'd like to go back and listen to. That's going to do it. We'll be back here next Wednesday night with another show. Go out, make money, stay safe. We'll see you soon. And until next time, holla. 